Hey, Nate, what's going on, man? Hey, nothing much. Uh, just doing a little business here. I'd like you to meet my my buddies here. These two guys, they are they're about to take a business venture active on level 1313 of Coruscant. They're all packed up and ready to Ooh. Wait. Where'd... Where'd yeah. Go? Go? Um, Nate, I hate to tell you, but uh that was canceled. I mean, it we was on hiatus there forever and then uh we just flat out ended up canceling it, so that's that's not happening. So they're just gone? Yeah, pretty much. So what am I supposed to do with all the tauntauns full of drugs? Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fun club. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. And I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast. For visiting our fabulous podcast in the clouds, I am the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris. And joining me, and not yet replaced with Boba Fett with some armor upgrades and other stuff, and it's all going to get weird and everything. Uh, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? It's uh, it's gonna be an interesting episode this time around. Uh, another in the vein of Shadows of the Empire, looking at something that's more past than present. Yeah, that's right. We, we decided we wanted to start doing uh, more focuses on on the games of the past and or the games of the never. <laughs> the, I guess what did you call this? A game of the past that never existed. Right. Uh, so in a sense, we're doing what. Both political parties are doing in an election year, looking back to the wonderful past that never existed and saying we need to go back there. Go back where? Are you saying make 1313 great again? There you go. Make (laughs) 1313 great again. Although, I will be honest, as we go along here, I have hope that something very similar is going to be great again, and I think 1313 helped be the spark of that. But we will... We will get there in due course as we get into our main topic, I am sure. Okay, cool. Well, uh, first, let's do a little house cleaning. Uh, just a couple of other dude, things. Dude, uh-uh, uh-uh. I cleaned <laughs> out where I crapped in the vault. I'm done. Okay. Well, you, you got other droids to clean. Not what I meant, but I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of some of this, and you can just kind of uh, go along for the ride. So I, I realized... On last week's episode, there was a little bit of confusion, I guess, because I wasn't very clear, because I'm an idiot, my fault. I was saying Force Unleashed is the game that I'd been playing previously. What I meant to say was Force Unleashed 2. So that's why there's a little bit of discrepancy between like you telling me, oh, there's this thing and that thing and everything, and I'm like, I don't remember that? And it's because it was from the first game, and I was playing the second one, and the first game I'd played years ago. I need to go back and finish it again, but... Anyhow, that was the uh, that was where some of the confusion was. But yes, I did actually beat the Force Unleashed two, and I uh, was able to check out the you know choose the light side option or the dark side option and check out the little motion comic that goes along and everything. So uh, thought it was really cool. I actually ended up liking it. I, I think that it doesn't quite deserve the flack that it gets. Yeah, I really enjoy both of those. Uh, two is an odd beach just because it feels so short and it leaves things dangling at the end. I mean, it left the question of whether or not Starkiller in that game is a clone or not, unless you unlock the motion comic stuff where they actually show the corpse 
of Galen Merrick and talk about that's where the different clones have been built from because you got the light side clone, other ones they've tested, and then you've also got the uh, the dark side clone of him that winds up showing up later. Um, but they spend a lot of time in the the game sort of building up this is he or isn't he and then don't really answer within the main thrust of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the second one. I think it's got one of the best lines. I want to say it's the second one that has Star Killers, you know, you've taken everything from me, which is one of the, the, the strongest line deliveries I think we've seen it with Sam Witwer as Star Killer. It's just that it ended leaving everything open. You know, right. Vader's tied up. You know, I let you live. You know, well, as long as she's alive, you'll never be free. Well, Okay, so is she alive? What happens to Starkiller? How does Vader escape? And all they've really said since then is, well, it's Vader. Of course he escaped. <laughs> yeah, but! <laughs> um, I, think we, I think we were clear it, for the most part, because I know that whenever there were things that was specific to one game or another, you know, I would ask about it of you. I think that I was assuming that you were playing through both of them right. at that point. And uh, though I will say, I for... To, in the place of confusion, you were saying before we recorded, actually, that one of the things that you didn't recall from the first game was what the choice was of who to fight, which is what I had mentioned before. It's Vader or Palpatine. If you attack Vader, it's the dark side ending. If you attack Palpatine, it's the light side ending. That's what I was referencing. Okay. All right. Yeah, It's that's been so long I can't remember exactly which way I did. I probably went light side. I may have chose both. Um, typically, I do light side or light side first. Um but, Me too. Yeah, that's uh, that that's the route I went. Now with that motion comic though, because I, I wanted to bring that up because I, I did check that out. I would argue that that's actually not as clear as um, as you're interpreting it because he, so here's the thing with that. So one thing that could essentially just be with the dark side path, which the next game, uh, depending on which path is chosen. Could depend on the next game so if they're going to go with the light side path which is what i would definitely assume if they were going to make the the force unleashed three then with that you aren't going to have that dark side ending which means that that motion comic could be tied to the dark side ending which is not um not the case because I think you're you're making an assumption that's not i, I think you're making an assumption of where it's it's dividing that's off Right, well, the decision at the end is determining whether or not you immediately run into the dark side star killer or not. Right, that doesn't negate the idea that this dark side star killer exists and that the motion comic stuff was happening in the background. It's just that he doesn't appear on the scene at the time that he does if you choose the dark side ending. There's never been anything to say that the uh, the motion comics themselves as background or the existence of the dark star killer in any way are invalidated by choosing the light side right. ending. They just don't show up. Right, right. And But that's what I'm saying is it's kind of open. I'm not saying that it's definitely not the case. I'm just saying we don't really know. Um, and, and furthermore, the reason I say it is because... Well, actually, I, I can tell you the, uh, the dark side ending we know isn't true because uh, how it happens... He actually sends them off to uh, kill, essentially, Leia and uh, Han and all them, right? Which ends up being the indoor mission in the uh, the bonus content that they do. Well, we know that is like an alternate timeline thing. So that, at least, is not the correct path. But like I said, I, I understand what you're saying as far as that. But furthermore, we don't really know 
that A, that is Starkiller and not just a clone, and we don't know that he's necessarily dead uh, as much as he may be in, in a stasis, because he does, um, one of the few times that Sith actually lie, uh, at least in the, the dark side ending, when you, you do meet that cl- clone, he says, well, I actually lied to you before. There, uh, there was another clone. So um, if you take everything that Vader's saying at, at face value and as truth, then yes, but there's still the possibility that he may not be telling the truth. So, so here's, a, here's a corpse, but it may not actually be a corpse. Maybe there's a zombie version of him out there. I will say that it, it it's cont- continuously bothers me looking back at The Force Unleashed 2. Mm-hmm. One, how they didn't make it clear within the regular story whether he was a clone or not. Uh, which may have been something they would have dealt with in a third game. Yeah, and I, I think the, that was their intention. But the fact that you've got Rom Coda of all characters saying repeatedly, no one can clone a Jedi, no one can clone a Jedi, no one can clone a Jedi, when you've got Battlefront Elite Squadron out there. Battlefront Elite Squadron is based on the two Force-sensitive clones of a Jedi, X1 and X2. You might say, well... Of course, they can clone a Jedi. It's the Clone Wars era. Maybe they're just saying it can't be done anymore or something. Maybe Rom Coda didn't know about it. It was Rom Coda's own apprentice that was cloned <laughs> to make X1 and X2, right. Fallon Gray. So there's a definite disconnect between what they were doing with Elite Squadron and what they were doing with Force Unleashed 2. And they've yet to ever really explain that disconnect, which may have been something made clearer if we had gotten to Force Unleashed 3 or some more stories to to kind of link it all together, whether books, comics, whatever. Maybe maybe in the Force Unleashed 3, he's like, well, you see, it's true from a certain point of view. Um, I mean, because we... I'm going to lie and <laughs> pretend I didn't lie. I, is, Obi-Wan Kenobi could run for president of the United States. <laughs> true. Well, I'm so here's, here's the thing. He, he says that and... Which it's funny too, where he's like, "Oh, the the Vader says, you know, the cloning process. You weren't the only one. Well, no, duh. What about all the ones that have been attacking me while I was trying to fight you? Exactly. So all those like, crazy ones. You know, it's like uh, he's like nobody can clone a Jedi, and I just really want to, uh, like, uh, I want Star Killer to be like, dude, I'm I'm staring at my own clone right now. I'm staring at it. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Nah, man, better, better. No one can clone a Jedi, and he just looks at him and throws a head at his feet or something. <laughs> then I must have a lot of twin brothers. Oh. Wow, your mama got around, son. <laughs> we knew about your daddy because we saw him get killed in the Force Unleashed 1. We heard mention of your mother, but we never actually got to see her in action. Turns out she got a lot of action. Right. So... Uh, a couple other things to kind of get into uh, before we, we hit our main topic of 1313. Uh, Battlefront. It is, uh, as we are recording this, it's actually double XP weekend. And you're the one who brought that up to me. I feel like maybe they could do a better job of letting people know, hey, it's double XP weekend. Um, maybe maybe the, like they do have an email thing. And I said, do not send me emails and that's why I'm not getting them. Well, I, I don't know, but I would have said yes, and I haven't seen anything. They they yeah. did put it onto a news bite that shows up on their website and shows up on the uh, the app, the companion app. And when you play the game, you see the little symbol, and it's got the little note uh, on the same screen that has like multiplayer missions, 
season pass, I think, and then uh, whatever the recent news is, that's the recent news bind on it. But you'd have to really be playing the game or checking on the game anyway to know that it's there. It's right. not like it's making the rounds really through social media, it seems like, or the major game sites. Usually, I mean, early on, the game sites would be like, holy crap, Battlefront's got double XP, and now everyone's like, yeah, screw it. Right, right. Well, I mean, do you know about how often they do double XP? They haven't done it in a while. Usually right. it's done on some event, um, or okay. it's done by doing something like, okay, community, we need to see you do this many emotes of a certain type that we can track by a certain date, and if you do that, we'll give you double XP, or we'll add this into the game or whatever, this community challenge type thing. In this case, they did it on the first weekend after the release to general audiences rather than just season pass holders of Bespin. That was why they did it. So my guess would be that unless we have some other event coming up, they'll probably wait and do it again around the time of the Death Star DLC unless they do some kind of like, you know, maybe they, they tie something into Celebration Europe? But then again, that would be just a week removed from this one, so I don't foresee them doing it that soon. I don't think they will, just because of what we've seen in the past, but I kind of think they should. I, I gotta be honest, that I've been enjoying the game more playing it this weekend uh, than I have been here recently. Yes! Mo mostly just because I feel like, hey, this is the amount of XP I should be getting for stuff. Yes! That is what I've been saying all along. Yeah. That double XP weekends feel like normal progression. That the progression rate in the normal game is a slog. I went from being at about 67 through playing two evenings, and now I'm at level 70, and I got enough credits to pick up the Wing Guard and the Shock Trooper, the two top-tier costumes or skins now. Um, and if I get a chance to play some more today, I'll probably play some more today and try to build up enough credits to upgrade the six star cards I have left to upgrade. It's It gives you a motivation to play when it feels like you're making progress at a steady pace instead of dragging your feet through the mud. Right. And and my thinking is maybe they think, oh, but if we do that, then everyone will level up, up a lot quicker and then they'll stop playing because they're just going to feel like there's nothing left to do. Because there's nothing left to do. If you right. want people to keep playing, don't make the progression suck. Put content in your freaking game. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, was, that, was that too on point? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of get you there, but uh, at the same time, it's like, I don't know. The, I think the biggest thing is that with their current setup, if, even if it's like, no, we don't have the ability to do that right now. Okay, that's fine. But I still think it's better if you have people enjoying the game up until the point that there's nothing left to do than them feeling like they're kind of grinding and grinding and grinding and then new stuff comes out and then they continue to grind, grind, grind. Because I feel like at least there's the idea of enjoyment. So they said, oh, that was fun. I just kind of ran out of stuff to do. I'm going to set it down. Oh, hey, mm -hmm. now Death Star's out. Let's go hit it again. So especially especially because right now, I mean, it's an online multiplayer game. They're competing with things like Overwatch now. Right. Um, so that audience is already being drawn away to a large degree. And the Star Wars specific audience to some degree is being pulled away by Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. They need to keep pushing things to keep this, you know, uh, on people's radars. And granted, putting out Bespin when they did and then now having a general release, that has done so. 
But it's funny that, you know, people who are season pass holders in many cases have now come close to or completed all the stuff from Bespin and played those matches and match types so many times that as the new bloods coming in buying it a la carte, a lot of the season pass holders are already dropping back and playing other games. Right, right. And I mean, that that's just that's a place where I think that they could look for improving the game. I, I definitely think that they're making other improvements and I'm and I'm enjoying uh, a lot of the other improvements of seeing some balance and seeing them work out some of the problems that they've had. Uh, I've been playing Sabotage a lot since that uh, is what's required for some of these new uh, hut contracts. And, you know, I, that's been a lot of fun. It's like I said, this weekend has been a lot of fun playing this game again. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know what? I do like Battlefront. Um, I think that it just can sometimes feel like I'm, I'm treading water because my thing is like, I'm still only, I think I'm now around level 37, somewhere in there. I think I'm at 37, working on 38. Um, I'm not 100% certain. But, I mean, it's just, it was so slow even getting up to 35 there forever. And that was just frustrating because I felt like it's going to take so long. And by the time I get to level 50 to get that uh, Shadow Stormtrooper armor... Am I really going to to enjoy then playing with it? Because I'm going to feel like, oh, I just I put more time into the game uh, than what I was enjoying. So, it just like I said, that that's just my thing. I think that they could really, really uh, help continue to keep people uh, playing and enjoying. And like you said, by that point, people can kind of be worn out from the stuff by the time the other guys come in, and that's not good for having enough people on these servers in order to you know, to keep the game going strong and keep people going in and out of matches. So I don't know. It's they, I mean, obviously they get paid a lot more money than we do, uh, to do that stuff. So I guess they know what they're doing, but then again, that's not always the case. So, eh. actually speaking of, uh, that before we move off the topic, I, something new also that popped up as I was doing some battlefront this week. Um, my live stream had its first swatting this week. Oh, I read about that. Now, yes. I, I've seen these types of tactics done before. Um, in fact, there's, I, I know that there's uh, something, and I, I can't remember exactly what it is, um, where something, it's supposed to be like a, a sign of, uh, you know, um, it's supposed to be positive or whatever, but people will basically just like flood a room and uh, like someone's room and then start like posting something or whatever. I can't remember exactly what that is, uh, but that's yeah, that's basically what this was. There's, right, right. There's the swatting. That's the we know where you are, so we are going to call down you know the SWAT team and claim that you're threatening to kill someone kind of thing. Uh, and now it has become more of the the almost social media style nuisance. Uh, I, I usually don't refer to it as swatting. I usually put, I usually replace the S with the next letter of the alphabet um, when referring to this type. But basically, um, yeah, people will get it in a moment. Um, basically, this type is people go into the chat and they just start spouting off usually some type of profanity or something like that, racial slurs, whatever. And it tends to be the same message usually over and over again. And it's done usually with a bot that basically someone can program, jump in, and then just 
it all says the same thing. Uh, and if you don't have filters already engaged for certain specific terms, at least within the YouTube way of doing it, stuff will get through. So in this case, it was, I mean, I was kind of disappointed on how uncreative it was. Like I expected <laughs> the swatting, it'd be like really creative stuff and everybody's saying different things, granted all negative, but it'd be interesting to watch as a social phenomenon because I'm always interested in that sort of thing. Um, right. Instead, it was a bunch of uh, swastika, swastika, Nathan Butler, which is th what they would see in the broadcasting. It shows my name whenever it's it's broadcasting rather than a username. Uh, Nathan Butler is an F-boy, swastika, swastika. And then the others were like something, something inward, something, right. something inward. And now, and just that over and over again until finally then it's swatted and then done. And I'm just mm -hmm. kind of like, that was really anticlimactic. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's just, like, really? I mean, I understand that Trump supporters need something to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, um, I'm sorry to out there with this. It's, I'm an equal opportunity blasher. There was just nothing yeah. I could go on Clinton for for well, that one. I give give something about lying and, and stuff like that. Well, no, it would have been you know they everything would have been deleted and that that's yeah, how that's you true. Know the you difference. can't go through and delete. I tried to actually <laughs> when it first started, I thought it was one or two people, so I was going to just do the bands, but I have to step away from the the TV to go to the computer to go into the chat manually to ban individuals. Um, and after the first like two or three, it just kept kind of like, ah, okay, well, and it was interesting because it actually brought past and present and political parties together because the bots, the swatters were using all use names of people like Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Mao Zedong, George Bush, <laughs> Barack Obama. And I'm like, nothing brings political parties and the living and dead together, like being a douche when swatting or mm -hmm. on some kind of streaming thing. So yeah, I just, it bothered me to the sense that one, it, there was the lack of creativity, but also just the fact that there are some younger people who do watch the streams and I'm not a fan of them seeing that. Um, but otherwise I'm just like, you know, whatever, just, I, I probably should have just ignored it and let it go away. Cause it was going to, you know, it only usually lasts a couple minutes anyway, but I did comment on it once or twice. There was never an actual reaction to it. So again, basically a bot, um, but otherwise, I'll probably just ignore it if it happens in the future. But thank goodness it didn't happen a half an hour earlier because I was live streaming Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. And that stream does have a lot of families viewing and, and children viewing yeah. um, as opposed to Battlefront. So, you know, it's all's well that ends well, but it certainly was an interesting experience. And I will never be quite as, I don't know, amused by the whole concept or intrigued by the whole concept if it really is usually this dull. Seems like they're thinking like, ha, 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 this is going to be so funny. No, it's not. And it's not funny because, oh, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're very thin skinned and we can't take a joke. It's not funny because you're not clever. You're not a comedian. Right. You didn't put any thought in that whatsoever. That's well, like, that's like we had a, a recent comment. I'm not sure if it was meant to be serious or a crack, but it was a, on one of the vlogs, I think vlog zero, there was a comment that said, you know, you know, you'd make a good Pee Wee Herman. And my response was, yeah, but I don't have the dance moves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, hey, you know what? Your response that... is far more clever than the initial supposed attacker insult. Then you're, you're kind of dealing with a lower bar of troll. You know what I mean? Give right. me a troll that actually can speak and make coherent arguments. Give me a troll that actually, you know doesn't act like a troll right and we'll have a nice cogent discussion in a, in a nice heated debate yeah. and that'll be entertaining but right instead of just saying swastika, like, swastika. 
Yeah, exactly. Instead of saying like, hey, what are the most offensive things? And I'm going to throw it out there because that's what offends people. Just be like, you know, come in. I would laugh my butt off if like I was in on one of the live streams or something. And they just come in. They're like, oh, yeah, well, Michael Morris's mom's a jaw and his dad's a probe droid. I'd be like, okay, that's kind of funny. Like that's that's a little that uh, puts images in my head and it's weird, but that's like, that's kind of funny. Maybe, and I, I think I've missed the I, I've missed the insult there. They're like, he's an f boy. I'm like, well, I am male and I do identify as such. Um, and I believe my wife would say the other term applies. So your insult is, oh wait, it's the swastikas. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean that is that is like an actual term kids are throwing yeah, around now. But it's the even still, it's just like whatever <laughs> it's like you probably can't even drive i don't care you know it's just, like i said it's one of those things where uh kids if you're going to be doing this kind of stuff just be clever with it i'm not telling you don't do it just be clever with it you know at least at least if you're gonna come in and uh and try to interrupt and, and do these things to or at least to like us um make it worth my time because I- Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, just because that's like, you just, you got to go, what do you, you might as well just come in just being like, I like uh, Lego, Lego good. It's so, you know, and just like, just spouting out just stupid stuff. Like, I like the yellow bricks more than the blue bricks, but sometimes I take the green bricks. And it's just like, what is this guy's deal? I don't know <laughs> if he has the brain capacity to put more words together than what he's currently doing. Put your helmet back on right. and start playing with your crayons again. I, I actually, if this had been a day later, I would have expected it to be a little bit different because I just, uh, you had made me aware uh, a while ago of a post that was made on a Bring Back Legends style group's site. I'm not sure where you saw the image, but it was an image that basically was a post that they made about access that winds up attacking me in a couple cases and making some BS accusations there. And then there's a response posted by Star Wars Hub that goes with it. It's like an image of that. And you'd show me that a while back. I was like, yeah, it's not a public thing. It's not a public group, whatever. I'm just going to kind of make a sidelong comment about it on the Timeline Gold's page and then just leave it. Then I see an article on Furious Fanboys about the, the bring back legends thing and, and ways that they could sort of curtail some of the extremes in the group to get more credibility and whatnot. And they link to that exact image that has that post. So it's apparently become a public knowledge. It's out there type of thing. So I recorded a vlog that was just released last night that basically goes through the idea of intellectual honesty, the Mace Windu thing, um, calling Disney stuff fan fiction, and then eventually into that exact post and ripping it to shreds with all the BS assumptions and stuff that they're making. Um, so I, if it had been a day later, I would have expected trolling like that in a, a, a live chat or a live stream because I would have expected it to be a Bring Back Legends group uh, on the extreme, on the fringe, doing that kind of crap. It's the exact same because we say, you know, pop in and don't, you know, and be creative. Don't just pop in and start throwing crap out. That reminds me very much of the whole disrupting panels to yell out, you know, this is not canon. This is not canon kind of stuff. <laughs> right. um, I don't know. I think no matter what community you're looking at, gamers, Star Wars fans, political junkies, you're going to wind up with people on the extreme. It's just that unfortunately, most of the time as people go towards that extreme, a lot of the creativity is lost and it becomes a brute force. I can, if I can be the loudest, I'm right kind of thing. Um, as I, as I say in the vlog, 
it's kind of how social media has been the great equalizer and that I may not know what the heck I'm talking about, but as long as I say it the right way in a controversial enough way and enough times, I can become clickbait and that'll make me famous because I'll get likes. Right. That's not really how it's supposed to work, but yet, you know, welcome to 2016 or 1968 as I've called it recently. <laughs> hey, hey, Nate, you got to get that YouTube famous. So, hey, you know. As of earlier today, and I think uh, it's gone up by two since this morning, I've got about 24, I think we passed the 2400 mark on subscribers on YouTube, so I'm almost to that 2500 mark. Excellent, man. It's, uh, you're going you're gonna to be famous enough that you'll have more people attack you and claim that you're just a chill for Disney and they secretly own you and tell you what you can and can't call canon or as I, whatever. Uh, as I noted in the vlog... There are no strings on me. Sorry, I had to quote the Ultron quoting Pinocchio thing. That's creepy. Isn't it, though? <laughs> I love Ultron. Um, so did you see that we got an email? It's kind of a while back. and I'm... I heard that we got an email. I don't know that I've actually seen the email. Uh, bring it. Let's, let's hit our whatever the Cloud City equivalent is of a mailbag. Um, I don't know what the, the uh, hollow message. I feel like that's what it nah, is. It's probably just a bag full of mail that some Ugnots, you know, carrying around for substandard pay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, um, I think you, you've got a better reading voice than I do. So I'll go ahead and just throw that there for you and you can read it to our listeners if you want. So this email comes in from Nathan Roberts, who says, Hey guys, I hope you're both doing great. I thought I'd share my understanding on whether the upcoming LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens game is canon or not. I bring it up because since the details were announced, there's been a lot of confusion around the status of the game regarding canon. This is understandable because one wouldn't expect a silly LEGO game to be canon, as if there aren't already other silly things in the canon. Though the understanding has been that all the new games would be canon. Since the game is due to release in several weeks, this must have been sent a while back, I've seen this question come up more often. I think the answer to the question of whether or not the events of the game are canon is a simple one, although this explanation is based on my own understanding and should not be counted as fact. As far as I can tell, the events depicted in the game are canon. However, this particular depiction is not. Just like how the events of the old LEGO Star Wars games are canon, the video game depictions of those events is not. Basically, the de-sillyized versions, I like that term, of the events are canon. I suspect the same could be said of the upcoming Freemaker Adventures series, where the essential plot points and characters happened and existed, though not in the exact way depicted in the show. Again, just my understanding, that may be flawed or straight up wrong. Anyway, enough for me. Take care, all. So, we actually have gotten this said in official capacity, but I've since heard other people say something differently. I don't know if that's changed or a lot of times people just get stuff wrong. And that, that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest thing with canon um, and, and a lot of the discrepancies on is this canon, is this not canon, is people just hearing things wrong rather than actually getting them straight from the, the correct sources. And then they will insist over and over that things like Old Republic is canon. And they just will not, and the people say, no, they're not. Oh, no, it's canon, it's canon. No, it's not. Yeah, but, but, but it's, dude. Go do like I don't know two seconds of research, you know, um, and I'm not picking on on, on Nathan by any uh, or Nathan Roberts here uh, by any means. Uh, it's just I, I think that uh, the issue is is everyone's constantly just asking questions that they really know the answers to, you know. Hey, in this Lego version of Star Wars, uh, this happens. Is that canon? No, 
no, it's not. You know, essentially, it's think of this as an alternate parody universe of Star Wars events. You know, um, in the same way that like Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a parody of the uh, Knights of the Round Table, right? It'll take its own. Uh, kind of take its own little path from time to time and do things that are silly. Um, but it, it, for the most part, it sort of follows that same story. So that's that's how I see it. And and that's basically what was said um, in a nutshell of, of how it works. That, mm-hmm. hey, we're, we're going to still follow, like specifically with the, the Freemaker Adventures, we're going to follow canon. We're not going to explicitly go a different way from how we know things. But also, it's not currently being considered canon, and I don't think it ever really should. Um, you know, maybe see a, a, another care, like one of the characters or something, appear in regular form, and we say, "Oh yeah, okay, that's that character. We know them or whatever." But you know, I don't think anyone should go, "Oh, but this happened in the, the Lego game." Like pretty much anything that that happened in the Lego game and nowhere else, like should just be. Accept it as, hey, this, because it's, you know, I mean, here, here's a, a distinction that may seem minor, but isn't really when you think about it. It's not Star Wars Lego, it's Lego Star Wars. Like, connect Star Wars and Star Wars Connect, which is it? Uh, I think that this is something, there's a lot of misconceptions about the games. First off, no. The assumption these days is not that all new games are going to be canonical. In fact, it's the opposite. What they've said on video games is that video games will be checked for authenticity, but not necessarily whether they fit into one continuity or another. So, for instance, Battlefront is checked for authenticity as an authentic Star Wars experience, but the fact that there are Y-Wings dropping ion bombs on AT-ATs on Hoth, and that there's an AT-AT battle that plays out similarly on Endor and on Sullust and so on, should not be considered canonical. Its take on the Battle of Jakku from a setting side might be similar to what you would expect from canon, But it's not exactly the way it necessarily would have played out. It's designed to fit gameplay mechanics and so forth. So in that sense, assuming just because it's a game it should be canon, that's obviously untrue these days. Um, What they've said on this one, one of the things that was said very simply was, well, it's Lego canon, right? You know, as far as Lego goes, yeah, I mean, it all fits within that. What they've said, though, is, is kind of muddying the waters with this one because they talked a lot about adding to the saga... Uh, adding to the canon, adding new events into the Star Wars saga through extra missions in this game. And I have not yet played them. I've unlocked, you got to get gold bricks to unlock them. You can't just jump in and play the new missions. You have to have 10 gold bricks each. And you get a gold brick for finishing a level, getting all the mini kits in a level, or hitting true Jedi in a level. So up to three per. I think I've got enough to unlock the first two, but I haven't played them yet. The new missions, the new stories, are Poe to the Rescue, Lorsantek's return, Rathtar hunting, Crimson Corsair, Trouble Over Tall, and Otegan assault. And I know at least some of those are directly referenced in canonical works. Like for instance, uh, Poe having to go rescue Admiral Akbar, him getting captured shortly before the Force Awakens, the need to rescue him, and all that. That is covered uh, within uh, the backstory of the C-3PO Phantom Limb comic. And then you've got stuff like Lor Santeca's Return, which I'm assuming will somehow tie into the background of Lor Santeca that we're learning throughout uh, the Poe Dameron comic, for instance. Um, it's my understanding that, again, these are assuming that these are similar to canonical events. A de as he puts it, version probably does exist 
within canon, but until we have more information about it, there's nothing we can necessarily take for granted as true. Um, speaking of taking things for granted as true, something that we talked about a little bit, I don't think we had a chance to actually break down individually on the last episode, was the uh, LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens Season Pass. We talked about it a little and uh, and didn't have a lot of specifics. It is 10 bucks, so it's going to be the same price as the extra price if you buy the Deluxe Edition that comes with the Season Pass, so uh, no discount or anything technically there. But it's going to come with three level packs. Poe's Quest for Survival, which presumably is him getting off of Jakku, which we've sort of seen in the novelization. Uh, First Order Siege of Takodana and Escape from Starkiller Base. And then you got five character packs that each, if the current character packs are any indication, will include eight characters and one vehicle. The prequel trilogy, Star Wars Rebels, the Freemaker Adventures, the Clone Wars, and the Jedi Pack. And the Jedi Pack is already available for those who have the season pass, and the Jedi Pack is exclusive to the season pass. So just want to get our little neglected tidbit in there as well. But I mean, I think it's on the right track. I mean, it's, it, yeah, there's going to yeah. be something within Canon that reflects these events more than likely. They're based on something expected to be canonical, but how much can be taken seriously? What kind of details can be taken seriously completely is going to depend on how it's depicted in those other sources. Cause as they say at this point, it's Lego Canon, right. not necessarily anything. Right. And yeah, and exactly. And that's why I wanted to, to be clear. Like I, I get that, uh, you know, Nathan Roberts is a smart guy and, and he gets it. Unfortunately, I would have, you know, initially thought everybody understands this. And I think that Lucasfilm did as well. But we're constantly getting people like, is this mm-hmm. canon? Or is it just like, dude, well, come and that's, on. That's, where my, that's why I did the vlog in part that was just released and why I had a one a while back that was like, what is canon? Like, what does canon mean anymore? And that sort of thing. Because there's a lot of usually in the past it was because there was confusion because there was not set terminology early on. So you'd have people referring to canon versus quasi-canon or canon versus official. And canon was thrown around to mean different things in different contexts depending on who was talking. It eventually got sorted out so that there was that tiered canon, you know, right, G-T-C-S-N. But by that point, the term canon had been used so much it was confusing to people. Some people didn't know about the tiered system, and even in the tiered system, yeah, it's got a label to them all, but the word canon is attached to every single one of them. So even something like, you know, Infinity is the Empire Strikes Back, which is a what-if story, it's got the word canon attached because it's in canon, non-canon, non-continuity. Wait, what? Um, then you throw in the fact that now this new canon just has the name canon without any kind of modifier to it, And that already is making things kind of confusing for people. But it's also, I'm finding that it's becoming a misinformation thing here too. And disinformation, not just wrong info. And oh, it's because of all this confusion in the past. But there are groups among the, among others, Continual Legends movement, who are purposely out there feeding false information about what counts, what doesn't, what's canon, what's not, what's the terminology. I mean, the same people out there who are doing the whole, well, because Lucas isn't involved, anything Disney makes is fan fiction. Well, no, because they own it. They're the intellectual property owners. They get to decide what counts, and this is what they're saying is counting at this point, whether we like it or not. Um, But, of course, as soon as you say that, you're a Legends hater. You're an EU hater. Mm-hmm. How dare you use logic, intellectual honesty, and know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> in reality? Your line of fact doesn't fit our BS and our narrative, therefore, you are evil. Um, I mean, that's that's the, the cesspool that exists right now. Uh, thankfully, 
at the very bottom of fandom that's not taking in mm-hmm. everyone. Um, but yeah, it's it's making it di- difficult for things that should be obvious, like hey, it's Lego. Yeah, right. Makes that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and uh, th- a point of confusion. Yeah, and I think they're purposely, like you said, essentially, I, th- I think they're trying to look for any sort of chinks in the armor. You know what I mean? Like, um, because someone even brought up the other day, and and this was obviously a, a trollish type thing. They're like, well, they said all the new books are going to be canon. But what about the Jeffrey Brown book? So I guess that's mm-hmm. canon because there's a new Jeffrey Brown book that came out. And it's just like, dude, go fly a kite. You know, like, Well, and it on. doesn't help, though, that I, mean, I love the fact that Pablo Hidalgo will answer fan questions on Twitter. He will address big issues when a new release comes out, hit, uh, like a new guidebook or when The Force Awakens came out. He was answering questions like crazy. He's very open to that on Twitter, Facebook, and elsewhere. But... Sometimes there needs to be sort of a more direct answer than the answers that are given that are very much tongue-in-cheek. He has a lot of fun with it, it seems like. But for instance, he addressed the Is Mace Windu Dead thing about a month prior to it actually blowing up when Samuel L. Jackson said his thing about, you know, well, you know, in my mind, he's still alive or whatever, and people started freaking out. He had already said on Twitter on May 6th, I think it was, and that was June 25th, that Oh, yeah, he's dead. You know, sorry, he's, he died in episode three. That's it. Now, that's the story group stance on it. That's it. That's all. Um, but once the, the everything started to blow up again, the responses that were made weren't to reiterate that directly. It was to retweet something that was a joke about dead Mace Windu thinking he was alive, too. Um, and then someone asking, hey, is this true? And, it holds, and it's an article that says Samuel L. Jackson says his character is still alive. And Pablo's response is... Is true he said that, yes. So is there any chance he'll show up in Rebels? Read my response again. And right. that's clear for those who understand sarcasm and can actually follow the conversation, but maybe a more direct, yes, we know he said this, but no. And of course, most of the places reporting that were forgetting the fact that Jackson himself, in the follow-up on the 29th, where he mentioned mentioning it to George Lucas, says... But George isn't in charge of that anymore. Or George isn't involved right, with any right. of that anymore. Well, it's and because everybody's that, like, no, yeah. let's ignore that. Yeah, because that hurts. Said he could be alive, so yeah. it that, that hurts your story. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. Why they say, uh, oh, George said that he sold the white slavers. It sounds much better if you try to make it sound like he's comparing um, Disney to white slavers than he's comparing himself to someone who would sell their own children. You know, right. they took that. That's not the, um, you know, that that wasn't the p- picture he was trying to paint, and they turned it on. I mean, I'm still mad about that, just to be that, honest. But but that's but again, that's, I, I think that everything that's happening in fandom is just a microcosm of the societal things we're going through, and they're going to feed off each other. You're not, until society gets its head straight, you're not going to see fandom get its head straight. Until fandom gets its head straight, uh, or if fandom is able to get its head straight without society getting its head straight, that will be a freaking miracle. Because um, I think of, for instance, what is the, and I'm going to piss some people off here, what is the rallying cry of Black Lives Matter? For a long time, what was it? Uh, and for what it's worth, I agree that the Black Lives Matter movement has a point that there needs to be massive uh, looking at the, the police procedures when it comes to using lethal force. But... For a while there, the, the theme was, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot, based on the Michael Brown case. But 
It was eventually determined based on eyewitnesses, most of whom were African-American, and all the information coming out within the grand jury proceedings that that never happened. There never was a he had his hands up and he got shot thing. He was surrendering and he got shot thing. It didn't exist. But it became the story initially, and whether it was true or not later, it became the rallying cry. Um, that a, a rallying cry doesn't have to necessarily be true in order to become the rallying cry if it is symbolic of something bigger that is thought of as sort of a bigger truth. Just like the whole um, – uh, uh, there was some person who said something a while back about uh, you know, 90% or whatever ridiculous huge percent it was of women on college campuses will be raped while they're there. The statistics say the complete opposite, that that was complete bull. But the person defended it saying, yeah, I know that what I said wasn't true, but it's symbolic and indicative of the fact that we need to look at this issue. Yeah. Um, again, it's the facts don't necessarily matter in the face yeah. of rhetoric. It's more and of this, the, I think, is another rhetoric thing. And fandoms just – we're just marching to the tune of society, yeah. which is sad. But yeah. I guess that's probably that, – that's, that's more of a – <laughs> they call it Beltway Banthas. There's a podcast out there I, I've been meaning to check out that's about politics in relation to Star Wars. That it's a topic that I would love to get into, but I guess I'm kind of going far afield. We always go far afield. That is that is kind of our I thing. I always go far afield. And, and um, no, dude, like I don't. Come on. <laughs> and you know, I gotta say, anybody who has an issue with that that listens to the podcast, suck it. Okay. Um, okay <laughs> <laughs> then. I mean, come on, like, listen, if, if you've gotten this far and you listen to it, I mean, that's what we do. If I can't, I can't change. I mean, yeah, I could change it and say, hey, we're, we're going to do something different. We're, we're going to be direct and always on topic, but I don't feel like that's the fun of this show. And we are, we are what Kid Rock called the critics, the cynics, and all his heroes at the methadone clinic, except maybe not the last one. <laughs> Uh well not anymore I'm uh, cleaned up doing better no I don't I don't know if we should joke about that uh, death sticks that's that's the one so you know I I've completely now uh, having to backtrack a little bit to try to remember where we're going that oh so anyhow the yeah the issue with that is is I think that there's a lot of um you know a lot of static that's being purposely created my personal opinion. And this is, I mean, this isn't necessarily saying, hey, this should be that way or that or this that should be that way. I would actually like for Pablo to not be, uh, not even direct, but also just not even say. Like, I would rather him not say Mace Windu died in, uh, in Revenge of the Sith because I like the idea. It's like maybe not because mm -hmm. because when once he says that, then and, and like let's say Dave Filoni says, man, I got a great idea for it. If Dave Filoni says, I got a great idea for it, and I want to put him in Rebels, he might show up in Rebels. I, yeah. I don't... They, they can change their mind, though. I mean, right, right. It's just giving what the current stance is. I mean, it's the same thing with Darth Maul. You know, Darth Maul is dead, according to Lucas, and then, no, he decides to find a way to work him into Clone Wars. I, right. I, see, I, I know you don't want the definitive statements. I'm afraid that if they aren't responding to things like this you will see a breakdown of the fan relations because thanks to the books, comics, and television thread at the old forum on StarWars.com before it became what I called a dumbed-down Pretty Pictures website, which has gotten better lately, um, between there and Twitter with people like Leland Chi and now Twitter with Pablo, there is this open line of communication which is somewhat unique within fandom of sci-fi franchises. And if those doors were to slam shut, I see a severe backlash that people who are on the fence – of whether they're supporting what's happening currently 
might start jumping over to the the anti-Disney side or the anti-canon side simply because they would feel as though they've been shut out of, as the people attacking me called it, access. Right. Well, I mean, my thing is because like you brought up yourself too with with Darth Maul. I just feel like that you set yourself up for being called a liar later on if things do change. Um, and especially because, I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest, Pablo can't call that shot. You know what I'm saying? Well, the like, story group can, and he represents the story group in in the con- in the context of what was being said. Well, but I'm, what I'm saying is, if Dave Filoni wants to write that. Pablo can't go, nope, you can't do it. You well, can't do it. Yeah, actually, he could. That's what the story group is. It, it is the equivalent of Lucas at this point in the old system. Now, would he say no? Probably not. They would just say that their policy changed, and Filoni goes on and does his own thing. But from yeah, they can shut stuff down. Well, from, from my interpretation, now, I, I think that... I think there's probably levels of that, and and perhaps uh, Filoni he he could uh, override Filoni, um, but I from the way I'm understanding that it uh, the the films basically Pablo uh, everyone should go check out one of our uh, sister podcasts uh, Pablo was on uh, Star Wars Bookworms talking and he basically said you know with with writing the force awakens that, that they pretty much did their own thing and he sort of did it like he would kind of su- make suggestions and say hey uh for instance he, he talked about that initially it wasn't uh when han said i told you we should have checked the the western reaches um or double checked the western reaches initially it said i told you we should have double checked the outer rim and he told them said hey um the outer rim is kind of huge so that you know you might want to kind of uh put it here this may make a little more sense with it like i see it like that not as much as him having the ability to say jj you're being an idiot okay well, no, I mean, you can't it, go here like here you have it, to put so it there. if for instance say let's say that they were to do something with a new film mm-hmm. and the new film directly contradicted something within say rebels or they wanted to contradict another film or something they have the ability to say be at least the authority to say they've been delegated the authority to say hey you can't do this because this has already been established over here that's part of why they exist to make those types of of calls however i think realistically even if it's not a tiered system they're going to treat it as one because right. i can't necessarily see them telling someone doing a movie no you can't Right. If they can find a way to somehow work it in otherwise and make it happen with essentially retcons or a new story that shows how it ties together. They have that authority, but they're judicious in their exercise mm-hmm. of it. It doesn't mean the authority doesn't exist, but right. it, 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 it's a restraint. Right. Um, well, go, well, it, it's essentially trying to give the filmmakers and the cartoon makers and the novels and, and everything, mm-hmm. giving that, that control. In a sense, directing is like a, a joint Leland Chi slash George Lucas and at different times switching hats as the story group. Sort of, but I, I still see... I mean, I, I really think that... I don't think that's so much his role as much as it's uh, Kathleen Kennedy's. You know, I... Um, unless I'm bad, bad, wrong, everything that I'm seeing, if Kathleen Kennedy wanted to, um, you know, turn all the Star Wars characters magically into donkeys... Pablo Hidalgo would not be able to stop her. <laughs> you know what she, she's above right. She's above that. I mean, she's above the story group at Lucasfilm. She can right. do pretty much whatever. At this point, right. she's 
she's another that has essentially delegated that authority to the story group. But yeah, she yeah. retains that sort of middle position between Disney mm-hmm. itself and and the story group where, yeah, she she could be the new G and they could be the C if she were to step in. And I mean, G as in G canon, like she's a G, yo. Yeah, I liked it more like gangster. Sniggity, you know, gangster with an A. Hey, so I tell you what, man, like I, I, I like this, but we've actually been going for, for a little while. And, and I want to jump into uh, one more thing before we hit uh, our main topic. And that's uh, we have a, a follower, or I guess a, a listener and, and follows us on Twitter. Uh, Clyde E. Smith, the uh, second. Are you familiar with this guy? I'm not, though I may be familiar with the twiddle hand, twiddle, twitter, the Twitter twiddle, twiddle, handle, twiddle. yeah, the uh, the at whatever rather than the person's name. I, I haven't really played uh-huh. around with Twitter all that much recently. It's usually, for me, it's just reposting stuff automatically off of Facebook posts that I make. Okay, I didn't know if uh, his uh, Twitter handle is at Prof Clyde Zilla. Um, I, I didn't know if he was perhaps someone who uh, maybe had, you know, uh, been on timeline yeah. gold or some some of your other stuff that you do or whatever but anyhow so he he's a, a listener and he's he's actually um hit us up with two questions um the most recent is finished rise against the empire um which is the uh uh disney infinity and says last and the indoor space battle was a throwback to gamecube's rogue squadron do you agree i have to be honest clyde I haven't played the uh, the even though I loved the the Rogue Squadron for GameCube. I, I got that back when shortly after the GameCube came out. Uh, that was my first system of that generation, and the game that I got with it was Rogue Squadron. In fact, I didn't even have a for for quite a while because um, I used pretty much I think I think it was my birthday money at that point. I can't quite remember exactly how all that stuff came out. But, but point being birthday, Christmas, whatever I, I'd use some money and I didn't have enough money to actually get a, um, card with a memory card. So I would sit there and play like levels of rogue squadron until I was tired of playing and I'd have to shut it off and then turn around, and start it back up and start all the way over again. But I would play it over and over and over again until I got that memory card. So, uh, point being, it's, it's been a while. I remember that game being fantastic. I still have the game and, and I definitely intend to, uh, hit it up again because, you know, want to really do some, uh, some rogue squadron focused uh, episodes here coming up. Uh, Nate, do you have any memory of that that you might could say a little better than I could? Vaguely, uh, I vaguely remember you have like a space sequence and then you're closer to the surface of the Death Star. Um, to me, what it reminded me more of was the old Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi. But mm-hmm. I think for any of these, there's only so many ways that you can capture the nuances of a specific battle. I mean, think of how many times we've seen almost an identical way of capturing the the Battle of Hoth with bringing down the walkers ever since Shadows of the Empire introduced being able to actually use the tow cable. Right. Um it definitely was a throwback, though, in that the mechanics sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I love those games. They're very fun. But for for being games designed for kids, the mechanics of the actual uh, Battle of Endor stuff, at least while you're up in space trying to defend one capital ship from the others, they don't make things very clear. And the mechanics and the way that you actually control the flying are kind of a mess. It's handled better with The Force Awakens, but Rise Against the Empire... I was stoked to play it until I got towards the end, and then if you watch the the Let's Play live streams I did of them, I'm cussing up a storm by the <laughs> ending point because 
it just got to that frustration boiling over. But uh, I can see where there would be echoes. I don't know if it was purposely based on uh, Rogue Leader or not. Uh, that's the the one for GameCube Rebel. Uh, there were Rogue two. Squadron Two Rogue Leader. Um, then it was Rebel Strike as three. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But you know, how many ways can you s- tell the same story in video game form? Right. Well, let me just ask this real quick, since we know that uh, Lego Star Wars: The Force Awakens starts with essentially the Battle of Endor. How did you feel about how the mechanics of that work? Because I felt like the mechanics were pretty good in that game. It's pretty cool. It's pretty well set up. I mean, it plays like you would expect a Lego game, but you get a chance in that first thing to try out a lot of different abilities, to uh, try out using an ATST, building the different mini kits, especially when you're able to choose which one you want to build out of the different options. And then you wind up mm-hmm. doing some some flying that's somewhat on rails, right. but you can control where you're shooting and whatnot. And then you've got the sort of free flying mode where you're inside with the actual power generator. Mm-hmm. Only thing that got me scratching my head was why didn't the Empire do what they did in Lego Star Wars for the real, so-called real, uh, Death Star 2? Why not have a shield that drops down over the power core so they couldn't just fly in and shoot the freaking thing? Come on now, if Lego can figure it out, certainly Imperial Engineers wait, could figure it out. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, th- yo, you're talking about that that big shield. Well, Like, where you, like when you fly in and it's almost oh, like the, it looks like an undone cylinder with right. the power core in the middle. The cylinder closes and you have to blast your way through it before you can get access to the center. Okay, so here's my non-canon, but I, I feel like I'm pretty good at doing this stuff. Um it would uh if the if it actually had was on the inside if the power source um if the power supply was on the inside of that shield, then it would cause too much heat and could actually cause uh, cause an explosion that way. So that that's the answer to it. Oh, head cannon. <laughs> hey man, I think that's a pretty good uh, answer. No, no, like, no, that's that's that'll work. I, I yeah. was just thinking, you know, it's the fact that the engineers didn't care they're like i'm yeah, so tired not. of working for the emperor man if this thing blows up screw it <laughs> what oh 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 put it on the inside you want me to, to go to all this extra works you know psh, rebel's gonna just blow it up again no uh, oh, we were gonna build it but they kept dying of cancer <laughs> so and and he actually sent us another one a while back and i and i messaged him on here and i apologize guys with with not getting uh your questions answered on, on the show uh as recently like it like you said with uh, nathan's robert with nathan roberts uh, question about the Force Awakens he'd, he'd sent in a while back, and we just haven't quite got to it yet. So we, we we're getting to him. Uh, I appreciate it. But uh, Clyde also sent us. Uh, what are your thoughts on the ultimate upgrade pack for Battlefront? Well, we've answered this on the live stream, but I don't think we've actually ever answered this on the show. Didn't we? I I don't think so. It all it all blurs together. My yeah. my answer would be, and he's talking about the thing where basically you can pay twenty bucks and. It automatically gives you access by unlocking all of the different guns from the core game of Battlefront, but not from the HUT contracts. And then uh, it also unlocks all the star cards from the core game, not from the HUT contracts, and upgrades them all to their upgraded form that usually costs about 7,000 credits to do the upgrade after you've already purchased it. And all of those things in the regular game you have to unlock for purchase by progressing and then pay credits to actually acquire. Um, but it's 20 bucks of real money to unlock mm-hmm. all of that. I, in my opinion, it's not worth the 20 bucks for someone who's been playing for a while. For someone who is coming in new, if they really want to jump and grab all those things quickly and have those options, go for it. More power to you. Um, though, I don't know. I, th- I think if, this, if it was a game where that kind of thing actually would make a huge difference in gameplay and the power structure as far as leveling up and everything, then I would be against it. 
But Battlefront is a game where it's more, for lack of a better term, skill um, or luck that actually wins matches more so than what equipment it is that you or anybody else has unlocked. So in a game where progression doesn't tend to tip the scales much at all, it can't be pay to win because what you're paying for isn't a guarantee or even really a big push towards winning. It's just, hey, here's this extra stuff. Yeah, and and I am on the uh, other end of the spectrum to uh, to an extent. I where I do agree with Nate on that that it doesn't necessarily affect in in a play to win type of situation. I really dislike um, my main issue with it is that they were you know it, it was it was a big issue to start with of of everyone thinking hey you're gonna have this game and you're gonna have a bunch of microtransactions. And now, granted, this isn't exactly what people were concerned about. They were concerned about, you know, weapons that were only could only be achieved by spending extra in or spending extra money on on these in-game weapons that would actually be better, and and you would just have to do it or whatever. You know, those were the concerns. But nonetheless, the blanket reply was there will be no microtransactions in this game. And Nate's been uh, arguments been no, this isn't a microtransaction; it's a macrotransaction. Look, point being, uh, it's it's the same type of thing. I just, to me, this is them kind of, uh, you know, sort of the whole George Bush Senior thing of read my lips and then going back on it. You know, um, I, I have a big issue with that. Further, just because as you start to get up into the higher levels. You know, obviously, this stuff costs money, in-game money that you don't have to to spend. So, uh, as you start getting up to the higher levels, the things that cost money, it becomes easier for you to get those things. Even um, if if you started out this way, then then people who uh, who didn't spend that twenty bucks because you don't have to get as much XP, thus uh, in-game money. To get those those different things at, at a higher level, such as uh, like Nate was saying, he just got the uh, the shock trooper armor. So that would be much easier for him to get if he he had initially spent that twenty bucks than if he hadn't, because he would have that extra money sitting around that he would have spent on all those things. Because the in game money mm -hmm. of all these things is quite a bit. I just I have a problem with that. Well, I mean, I'm at the point now where I think I've got four hundred credits now. And I've unlocked, you know, I, I was working to get the credits during this Double Points weekend to unlock the Shock Trooper and the Wing Guard and all of that. Um, but, I mean, I've been playing since the get-go, and I've hit the level cap every time there's been a level cap and kept playing. And I still have six star cards that haven't been upgraded right. yet. I still have a ton of emotes and character skins I haven't bought. Um, in order to actually unlock and buy everything, you would have to basically level up to the max multiple times over. So I can, I can see how as a, as a way of saving credits while you're leveling up, I could see that as a potential advantage of it. Um, I just don't think it affects gameplay enough to make that much of a difference. I mean, most people you're running around are playing with the same handful of things anyway. It's, it's, any, it's like the meta of any first-person shooter. The loadouts tend to look similar. Everybody's running around with a jump pack, depending mm -hmm. on which mode you're in everybody's running around with you know disruption or ion shot or whatever or, or personal shield there's a lot of stuff that just never gets used it's you know typical first person shooter loadout stuff 
Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I understand that. Uh, that's that's not necessarily my issue with it, but um, is what it is. Can't can't really change any of that now. But I tell you what, man, because we're we're about an hour in at this point, so I think it's time that we get into our main topic. Finally, thirteen <laughs> uh, thirteen. You remember? Remember a. Uh, not so long ago, which actually it's been what? Let's see here. Uh, hey, what? Four much, years? Yeah, it's I guess been four since years the, now. Uh, the E three. Yep, and that was that was when uh, which we'd been kind of hearing about it, uh, little whispers of it, and then back in June uh, of 2012, E three comes along and they show us this trailer for 1313. It's really cool, really good looking trailer. Yeah, it's basically, and I just rewatched it actually today. It's basically you've got a couple of guys who are supposed to be delivering this cargo, which apparently includes some angry animals that they're <laughs> trying to take to level thirteen thirteen, uh, over a thousand levels down on Coruscant. And while they're trying to drop down to that lower level, they get attacked by this enemy group with these sort of faceless soldiers with the masks on and whatnot, and this droid that seems to be leading them that has echoes of Grievous in its design. Yeah. And it winds up getting into a third-person cover-based shooter-type fight, uh, and then the character's jumping onto one of the ships as both of them are crashing and having to climb up it as other scripted events are causing them to be thrown this way and that way. Uh, very much... And this was to my thrill, because I love those games, very much sort of an uncharted in space kind of game because of how the game mechanics are. I mean, even to the point of, well, you're ducking behind one crate, somebody's on the other side, you press a button, you reach over, grab them, move them over, hit them, and they're knocked out, which is very much an uncharted and many other third-person cover shooters type of thing. Um, and it captivated people, and given that this was 2012, people were really shocked by the fidelity of the graphics, that this was guaranteed to be next-gen, uh, which at this point would mean like Xbox One and uh, PlayStation 4. Uh, big, big hit at E3, and it certainly got people talking. Yeah. Now, here, here's one thing I, I want to ask about that, because looking back at it, granted, okay, it was four years ago, so people may be like, come on, Michael, like, like you're being a, a snob here. Um but do you think that now, looking back at it, that the graphics are that great? I think you look at the lighting effects, the particle mm -hmm. effects, you look at the, the captures of the individuals, and it's not quite to where, for instance, the masterpiece that is Uncharted 4, A Thieves' right. End, is now. But for then, it was, it was pretty high level. Right. It was, from a capture standpoint, it was where you would expect something like Uncharted 3 to have been, but it had a deeper graphical fidelity that you couldn't even get necessarily with that game. That's what had people saying, wait a second, where is this from? And they even mention in the interviews and stuff afterwards, yes, this was running on a high-end PC. Well, that explains it. Something that had more processing power than the PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360 at the time had. Right. And, and so, I mean, I guess my thinking is that to me, it... I would say, just looking at these graphics, and like I said, not trying to, to be an elitist or whatever, but to me, the graphics looked like very high-end PS3, Xbox 360 graphics, as opposed to um, what we're seeing out of uh, Xbox One and PS3. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just being an elitist douche on that. I don't know. But I, it, that was just something that I kind of noticed. I was like, yeah, I mean, they're good for 2012, you know, what we were seeing at that point, but... 
now that we're in the the next gen mm-hmm. uh, systems, seeing them, I'm like, it's not as great. And and granted, they they may have been cleaned up closer to uh, time of release. Who who knows if you know had that happened? Uh, well, actually, we 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 do know that um, they wouldn't be anything. So I guess we can kind of get into uh, what I mean by that. So this this trailer came out. This E3 trailer came out in June 2012. In May 2012, uh, somewhere around a month prior, George Lucas told them, I want to make it about Boba Fett. Was that, how, how was that? Did that sound like Lucas? Uh, that, that, that was all right. That okay, all right. All right. Well, uh, he had a cold I want to make it about Boba Fett, and I want to put some rocks in front of him that disappear <laughs> from the other camera angle. Uh, he had a cold that day. So <laughs> here's the thing. What we were shown, they already knew, wasn't going to be in the game. The game we were shown was not the game we would have gotten. But that's, to be fair, that's kind of normal for early glimpses at games at game expos like E3 to show what amounts to sort of test footage. And they even, again, they mentioned in some of the post-interviews, although I think it was a matter of a couple of months later rather than a matter of days later, about how these were essentially placeholder characters. So... They weren't, it wasn't like they were saying up front, these are who you'll play as, here's their names, here's their backstories, oh crap, now they're gone. It was always a, this is basically a test version of it, check it out, check out what we can do, as opposed to, hey, let's figure out what the backstory is of these characters carrying these animals. Yeah, but the, the, but the problem is that we also see the gameplay, none of that gameplay is going to be there. Essentially, the only connection between the two is that it, uh, the world that it's supposed to be happening in is the uh, level 1313 uh, of Coruscant. I, I, I don't think I can agree with you there. Because uh. Kotaku has a report. No, it was uh, IGN, maybe it was, that had the report. Um, eventually, once the game was dumped, there was a 15-minute gameplay demo of actual Boba Fett gameplay that was released to several gaming sites. I don't think it has ever been allowed to be released publicly. But they talk about the gameplay of Boba Fett chasing after this Trandoshan on either level 1313 or 1314, which is supposed to be like the slums that go along with the seedy criminal underworld of 1313, where he's basically doing parkour kind of like we see in recent Assassin's Creed games or the recent Uncharted games in that he's running, he's very lithe, he's able to slip under stuff, jump over things just seamlessly as he's running, um, eventually capturing the Trandoshan guy, etc., etc., and that there's also points at which he's doing Uncharted-style climbing and whatnot. So based on what they described, the gameplay mechanics, the Uncharted-in-space type mechanics, were very much going to be part of... 1313 when it became Boba Fett. That scenario isn't, but you said that where they're showing gameplay that's not going to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but what I'm saying is that they're showing you, okay, yeah, it's in the vein, but I mean, that's basically like if they just said, oh, and they just showed us footage of Uncharted and they're like, wait, what is this? And they're like, well, I mean, it's going to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I get that I'm being a little, uh, a, a little facetious here, but I just, to me, it's just kind of one of those, and I get it. Okay, hey, you you made a last minute change. What what are you gonna do? It's just, I don't know. Just to me, it, it. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, the cracks were already there. Uh, oh, at this and point, the, and the cracks went deep. Yes, yeah, deep. they they really um, did. I'm trying to think of the origins of this. As I recall, basically they conceived it back 
in is about four or five years, I want to say, after Revenge of the Sith. So we're talking about like 2009. Yep, exactly. Conceived um, in 2009. And they were trying to connect it to that Phantom live action TV series. It was going to be Underworld, supposedly mm-hmm. about the crime families and all that. And that wasn't the original plan to make this not even like a scripted story of an in an uncharted vein. Uh, and maybe not even third person, wasn't the original intent to make this essentially an open world, something more akin to like yep. what we got with Assassin's Creed than Uncharted? Yeah, so this so this game has actually went through uh, several different reincarnations where they would basically just scrap it and start over. And I mean, because they did this from 2009 to 2012. 2012 was when they made the last decision, hey, actually, we're going to do it this way. But yeah, initially what they wanted was like an open world RPG, um, and I mean, it's the idea of that is cool too, because they were going to, um, they were going to tie it in with the under, and it was, it was at that point they were calling it Star Wars Underworld, um, just like they had planned to call, uh, the TV show Star Wars Underworld and very much how basically as the show, as things would happen in the show, then there would be a game update and the game would sort of change to reflect that. <laughs> um, which means, mm-hmm. which means basically that. They were trying to do an open world based game, which eventually happened again with the Old Republic, um, eventually coming out two years after they started working on it in '09. But basically, they were trying to do Defiance. Right. Yeah. That's that's about what I was I was going to get yeah. to. And now, when did the, Defiance come out? Don't know what Defiance is. Defiance was a sci-fi channel TV show that ran for I guess it was two seasons, three seasons, and the game came out and the game took place in San Francisco area. Whereas the show took place in the area around St. Louis, but you had characters going back and forth. So when things happened in the show, they do an update that would affect the game, and then certain things would happen in the game, and then you'd see characters show up again in the show, referencing the events that they went through in the game, and every once in a while you'd even see characters make the crossover from game to show and back and forth using the same voice actors as the the show actors. And it was it worked fairly well for what they yeah. did. And I think and I think it's a great concept, you know, because I gotta give it to them. And here's the thing, because I just looked it up because I was like, well, did they you know, did they go, hey, this is really cool what they're doing with Defiance. Uh, but no, I mean, this was decided. They were Defiance. Try- yeah, they were trying to do this back in 09. Defiance didn't uh, release until 2013. So, I mean, they were kind of ahead of, ahead of the curve on that. Um, and Defiance, for what it's worth, I mean, it, it gets lost in the shovel because it's often compared to Destiny, which right. was the other big open world kind of MMO, you know, whatever at the time. Uh, and Destiny is huge by Bungie. It's, it's got all kinds of grave reviews and everything. Um, Defiance was a very strong game uh, over time. Like, it came out, it was kind of glitchy. It had updates that made it better. Uh, it was a fairly robust game, a lot of things to do, way more things to do in that than Destiny had. Uh, I actually played that game, you know, platinum the thing, got the DLCs, tore through those, got the trophies for those. Um, they had things in there called pursuits that are like checklists of things to do that help your rating. I maxed out on the cap so many times with the rating that I was constantly back and forth with the support people for Defiance. Like, okay, I've got more rating than you allow for the cap. When the cap raises again, will I get my credit for that stuff? I mean, I was all about Defiance. Now, take that concept and give it to Star Wars and a Star Wars TV show. Oh, that yeah. would have been freaking incredible. I would argue perhaps even more awesome then the thirteen thirteen everybody got excited about that looked like Uncharted. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and here's the thing. It's not like you know, I, I guess I've sort of given the perception that George is like, no, wait, let's do this now. Oh no, actually, 
I, I want to do it this way, you know, like he might have done with some Blu-rays and uh, DVDs or whatever. But the, the point is that what actually caused this was uh, they had some, I guess, some financial setbacks or whatever that they had to, to cut costs or whatever. You know, whatever it was that happened with the show, uh, once the show got put on hold, well, then so did the game. The game had to change at that point because the game is only great keeping in mind that, or, or that concept only works if there's a show and there wasn't a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when it started to kind of develop differently. Um, but furthermore, you know, recently it's, it's come out with that uh, Corey Balrog uh, who was talking about how, you know, it's going to explain uh, the emperor and, and how he was uh, scorned by a, um, uh, his his love, who was a, a gangster, and she's this evil woman, or whatever, and all of that nonsense that was tied in the show. That explained because because uh, Corey Balrog, uh, he's from let's see, what's that that uh, God of War game, right? So he's a he's a game guy, and and that's how he knew about what was going on in the show because of this game and how it was meant to initially tie in together. Um, so so what you're saying is that the Emperor was supposed to be hooking up with a gangster. It went bad, and that was part of the storyline of the show, which is going to be reflected in the game. So their product placement was obvious then, right? They would have a little package of blue pills next to his bed. He'd be like, unlimited stamina! <laughs> no, I think, I think what you, as you're talking about like tying into the show, that's, that's a lot of difficulty for a game because the show itself, the show was never cast. I mean, right. they barely had fleshed out much of it. They'd done some writing for it, but had they ever done anything as far as as actually looking for people to play major roles? Because if you're going to have a game of high graphical fidelity, even for that generation, you need character models based on the actors and actresses that are going to be in the show if you're going to be making that connection. And they couldn't do anything with that. We, we saw the E3 update that had the two, as you uh, referred to them in our show notes, as schmoes. Um, the two <laughs> guys who were just placeholders and then they said well we're going to make it boba fett every time you do that kind of change it's the gameplay may stay perfectly the same and apparently it didn't because they were trying to go from open world to the uncharted style but the assets that they have to use to make the game would constantly be changing on them it'd be like i mean the reason why you don't constantly see characters changing clothes in the clone wars is for even an animated television series there's only so much money you can put into creating new assets for the same characters over and over again when you've got other stuff to do. I would imagine that was a hellish run from a development standpoint to constantly have the the main characters either undefined or being redefined for them under their feet while they're trying to work on a game. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it, I mean, it's a lot. I, I don't, to my knowledge, which, you know, there's always things that are, it's like they dust it off and go, oh, hey. Uh, were you guys interested in this? And you're like, whoa, this is old concept art. Like, yes, why are we just now getting this eight years later? Um, but to my knowledge, there, was, there wasn't there was even any concept art for it at that point. So I think they were still, uh, which, I mean, I, I think ooh, it there, But there is concept art by the time it's done, because Kathleen Kennedy last December commented that the concept art for 1313 is gold oh, oh that they won't get rid of right I'm, so there is by now right well there's plenty of concept art i mean like you see with some of these links you can can definitely check them out uh i meant for the under you know the the underworld which became Over 1313 the show. The right show. 
Well, gotcha. well, well, for the for the show tie-in, the right, Defiance the, Light Star right. Wars, Defiance in space. <laughs> you can always add in space to just about anything to make it Star Wars, unless it's already in space. Like if you said Star Trek in space, you just sound stupid, <laughs> right? But right. Defiance it wasn't usually in space, so in space they transitioned. With that happening, they basically uh, scrapped what was at that point the Underworld game, and. A lot of the the things that were happening, a lot of those scripts and um, things from the the live action show, were actually being uh, fleshed out in the the Clone Wars cartoon around that time. And then past that, the uh, Lucas would essentially have them say, "Hey, why don't you um, kind of use some of these storylines in this game? You know, write your own story." It, it's not going to be tied into 1313 anymore, but we've got these storylines here. Why don't you kind of use some of these ideas and, and we can actually see that. So if it was like, oh, hey, um, you know, there for one episode, we're going to have Boba Fett be a hot dog peddler. Well, have him sitting there, you know, in the background pushing a hot dog cart. I realize that's ridiculous and that was not going to be in the game. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just a simple man trying to sell wieners in the universe. <laughs> right, right. So um, that was where they started to kind of create this this game. Um, and it turned into 1313 and it was supposed to be about these two smugglers. Um, and and uh, you know one of the the things that like I'd mentioned that was supposed to to get answered was like uh like who is Boba Fett and uh why was Han working for Jabba like that that was a couple examples that they like, listed. Did you see their third example, uh, which you, was who were the Bothan spies? I thought that was interesting. The idea that the Bothan spy network could play a role in this type of story because they'd certainly be present in those seedier areas trying to gather intelligence. Yeah, and you know, the only reason I didn't actually put that in in the direct notes, it, it was obviously linked, but I didn't put it in the direct notes, was just because I didn't want to uh, have people think Death Star and then once again get confused and, and realize, no, that's not the, the Death Star. No, that, that, that was the other, the Death, other Star. Death Star. This yeah. was going to be between episodes right. three and four. It's right. just that the spy network exists. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that you explained it better than how I could have because uh, people will be like, I still don't understand what, what that was. What are you talking about, son? <laughs> yeah. So, so the smuggler story did exist, mm -hmm. and they emphasized the idea that this was going to be sort of more of a gunplay type thing than being a lightsabers game, in the sense that this was going to be the next gen or current gen. They didn't explicitly say next gen, but it pretty much meant next gen because right. of the technology involved. That this was going to be sort of an antithesis to the Force Await or the the Force Unleashed. Where the Force Unleashed was all about giving you a, a character with Force powers, taking that over the top and playing almost like a, a God of War style game. Whereas this was going to give us an Uncharted style game that issues Force powers and lightsabers for Star Wars gunplay and darker storytelling, which showed great promise. It's what got people so excited. Right, right. And, you know, it's uh, un unfortunately, and, and that's what I'm saying, is because the game had changed a lot by the time that uh by the time we had seen it it was definitely going to be a lot different there was a lot more systems like you'd mentioned you know we were seeing oh hey this is an uncharted in space well then it became no it's uncharted and assassin's creed and even kind of um you know like that mmo upgrade type element as well um because by the time you know basically that george says Oh, hey, let's do it about Boba Fett. Um, 
by that point, they had to essentially just start over. You know, they were, yeah, they had their, their game that they were doing. They, I guess they had uh, their engine that they were using to run it or whatever. But essentially now they've got to start making new characters, new uh, new story for those characters, and then new levels for them to go through, right? I mean, we're basically starting all the way over at this point. And, you know, one of the things that they had mentioned that they'd come up with, and I think is, is a really cool concept to think about, is that... Um, Boba Fett would actually start to gain more and more armor through the progression of the game. Yes, and that I thought was fantastic. I, mm-hmm. As soon as the idea was we're going to switch this to Boba Fett, as soon as that word came out, I was like, wow, my interest in the game just went down the tubes. Oh, yay. Another freaking Boba Fett story. <laughs> um, for some reason, to me, Boba Fett is very much sort of played out uh, in a lot of ways. So for me, having it go from being those original characters to being Boba it was a knockdown for me, but upon hearing later that your progression system in the game was going to basically let you almost build his armor as you went, that you would get the pieces as it went, was great. Although, that would have certainly brought up questions because it, you would have been seeing them uh, essentially, because again, this is prior to the Disney buyout. It's the Disney buyout that derails everything. So this is in a time when there was no such thing as story group canon. It was all just the GTCSN level stuff. And if something happened in the Clone Wars, which is T canon, it could have ripples that would screw things up in the previously existing continuity of C canon. And we just had to roll with it and they'd retcon it. Because in C canon, Boba is actually, for the most part, using Django's armor. And then there was this huge hubbub because they had Django's helmet get blown up in the season two finale, I think it was, right. of Clone Wars. And there was this, well, it, it, it was just a spare. He had a spare. He blew it up. It's okay. <laughs> he still has the original. It's all right. It still fits with these books, blah, blah, blah. And sort of this question of, well, where's, you know, what's he doing with the armor? And then, of course, we see Boba later, and he's not wearing that armor. He's wearing a, a just regular bounty hunter gear that he's put together. And the progression of seeing Boba Fett develop into the armor would have it would have caused ripples from a continuity standpoint at the time so i wonder what my opinion would have been had i heard about that before the reboot but looking at it now post reboot and just thinking in general what could they do with that type of thing i mean the idea of having a game that plays as a third person cover based shooter where you have abilities that keep getting upgraded is not necessarily new but within the context of Star Wars and the vast array of things they could have given a Boba Fett, that's pretty sweet. That would put the Bounty Hunter video game to shame. And I actually thought that one was pretty good right. at capturing Django. Right. And, and and to me, that's part of why I get kind of excited. Because, I mean, essentially, it sounds like at this point that it's sort of a uh, a sequel, you know, uh, though it's not titled as such, um, sort of a sequel to the, the Bounty Hunter game. So I, I kind of like the idea of it. Uh, furthermore... Here's one thing that uh, you may or may not have noticed. I don't know if it's ever been publicly said, but if you take uh, the image of Boba Fett that they have in the concept art, set that next to uh, an image of Boba Fett from the holiday special, and a lot of the color patterns kind of match up. Ooh. Bringing back horrible memories. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean the but cartoon yeah, was cool, true, though. But it's this idea yeah. that his, his armor has kind of an evolution mm-hmm. to it. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool 
um, that they're like, well, you know, we, we kind of have these colors here on him in, in uh, this old cartoon. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to kind of have it as sort of a like a callback to that? And, you know, I, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was really neat. And I thought that the idea um, of the upgrade system could work just fine. And, and, I, and I think there are ways that you can do it. Uh, perhaps... Uh, now I, I heard or seen or I don't know it's it's in my mind somewhere it's it's at least the um, what I had as the um, the story of the armor and, and and it may be not quite the case uh, um, and I may be just remembering wrong I don't know I, pff, whoever knows with me right but um, I was thinking that the armor that he Django's armor was sort of refitted for him mm-hmm. um, and that he actually he does wear that armor in, in the uh, Clone Wars show, and then I guess that's why it kind of seems smaller oh, than what Django he's not was wearing. He's not wearing Django's armor in the Clone Wars show. He never wears anything close to Django's armor in the show, but he did in books like A New Threat and whatnot, the Boba Fett Young Reader books. Okay. Do where you- they resize it and everything, and he's actually running around in the Django armor. Okay, yeah. I was thinking, like, obviously, he had a different helmet. Um, I was just thinking that like the actual armor itself looked kind of Mandalorian-ish. Um, yeah, kind of. They actually tell the story of how he got at least, I think it was the helmet of it, and I think the helmet was Mandalorian in one of the comics from the UK Clone Wars magazine, of all things. Um, okay. no, I, I, by the time you get to, at least in Legends, by the time you get to the era of the films, he's got multiple sets of armor, he's got all kinds of spare parts and whatnot, he's collected them over time, so they try to use that to explain the different looks from time to time, but just the idea of seeing sort of his first armor coming together, um, that would have been pretty sweet, and as corny as it sounds, and as much as people would have probably blasted it for the end, I would have loved to see them go the dark link from Zelda to the adventure of Link at the end and have him fight Jodo cast. Give us a video game version of something like twin engines of destruction, because uh-huh. um, how do you, if you're building up this character with all these crazy abilities, how do you create a real credible threat to them story wise um, without just making some kind of big boss? And then a giant boss battle winds up being shoot the glowing yellow area kind of thing. You know, let's have it be a more personal thing. And that I think Actually, are we ready to move on to where we think this goes from here? Well, I had, I, it's kind of where I was about to head, and I don't want to step on our toes and leapfrog. No, that's fine because I, I think that's where about where we're about to move to. But I was going to say uh, potentially how, how I would do it is uh, have the the villain at the end be Bosk. Let that be the big boss. The big Bosk. Yeah, it's the the Bosk battle fight. at the end. <laughs> yeah, because. So, um, you know, or at least we can kind of presume, I, I mean, I, I guess it could go two ways. We, we see the bounty hunters on, um, the death or excuse me, the star destroyer. I can't remember which one I always get the, the executor, the, the executor. Okay. Yeah. I always get that one. I think they're on the super star destroyer when they meet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, point being with that, um, either that could be Boba Fett and his crew. Or that could be uh, some of the best bounty hunters that they've assembled that are going to be competing against each other, uh, um, possibly um, for Luke Skywalker and or Han Solo. However, you know th- oh, that's man. supposed to go. But so that, that means the next Blu-ray release, the the 4K Blu-ray release, <laughs> needs to add Lats Razzi back into the mix, right? With their little crazy boa. <laughs> so you know the the thing is. If you want to go with it, kind of, like, especially like how Legends was at that 
point that that they were competing then you could essentially have because we know he was chasing down a Trandoshan, right? So that could potentially be the link. And the whole time, you know, Bosk was uh, was playing him or something. You know, Bosk was um, working in the shadows, and and then that that ends up being sort of the the battle at the end. And then that can sort of set them up for being bitter rivals come uh, the rest of of things. And then by the time you get to Empire Strikes Back, just an idea that I had. And uh, Filoni talked about how uh, Boba Fett is supposed to have his training finished by Cad Bane, right? And that would that was where the Clone Wars would eventually have gone. And we never really get a, a clear ex- and a clear answer as to where does Aura Singh go after that point. I know that Legends has other stories with her, but from a, a Clone Wars perspective, and what's now a canonical expect- perspective, there's not a direct you know where does she go from there when she and Boba part ways. Maybe Aura Singh could have been. The final boss, or maybe it could have been a final test, and it's Cad Bane, and it explains why we don't see Cad Bane in, you know, the original trilogy era because he was killed in a final one-on-one with Boba or something. There's right. There's a there's potential there, but they would have to be careful to make it so that it was a solid Star Wars story, rather than just hey guys, it's a game with Boba Fett because that is just gimmicky as all hell, <laughs> um, to me. Which I guess is why I have faith now. To kind of look ahead, that in essence, what we were going to get with 1313 at different points, a story that at one point had smugglers, there was a third person shooting adventure game that we expected to have a solid story to carry forward, whether tied into the show, tied into the smugglers, Boba Fett coming into his own and that sort of thing. But hopefully with solid writing, I think we're finally getting that now. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Visceral's Star Wars game is going to be because they've said it's going to be a third-person action game, and they brought in Amy Hennig. And I can't express enough how much hope that gives me because this is the woman who spearheaded the writing for Uncharted 1, 2, and 3. Not 4, but 1, 2, and 3. And those are some of the wittiest action games and most cinematic action games that I've ever played and in a lot of ways fit the type of attitude we would expect from an Indiana Jones or from a smuggler and such in the Star Wars universe. So it kind of feels like 1313 had a lot of growing pains. It became a mess. It fell apart for various reasons, and eventually it was gone once Disney took over and everything got shifted around and LucasArts became more of a label than a company and all that kind of stuff. But I'd like to think in a way that the conceptual legacy of 1313 is still alive and we're going to be seeing it in, what, 20. So, what, 2018, I guess it is, that they're saying that that should probably be released? Mm, I thought it was 2017. What's coming out in 2017? I thought 2017 was going to be Battlefront 2, and then Visceral was the next year. Uh, maybe. I thought they, they were flip-flopped. But either way, coming in the next year or two. <laughs> and that's the thing, because that's the the biggest, uh, I guess, comment that, that I see a lot, is a lot of people going, well, I, do, I just don't understand. Why can't we... You know, why can't we make this game happen? You know, there's already all this footage. We've seen it. There's all this and blah, 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 blah. And so many people just don't understand that stuff don't match up. Uh, I'll give an exact quote from uh, Kotaku, which is where, you know, they were the the biggest uh, insider, I suppose, for chronicling this entire thing. Um, and, And a lot of that is due to the fact that they had a source that said, uh, by the end, it says, they ended up with movie tech, talking about the cinematics, 
that wouldn't fit in a game and game tech that wouldn't fit in a movie. Um, and then it says uh, 1313 was always in danger of not being made. Um, so essentially the cutscenes and the gameplay didn't match. And that's a big problem. You had, you know, elements of, of game, you know, you had these different elements of the game that just didn't, you, you couldn't do anything with. It's just at this point, you know, especially, uh, four years later, if, if you, once you get all, you know, all the dust settles and everything you go, that was four years ago. Um, you don't want a cell phone from four years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's too little too late at this point. So they're going to completely be starting over. Um, at least, at least as far as what they're getting now, now granted they, I would say if I was betting on it, um, these are just my thoughts. I'm thinking the game that we're going to get, uh, from, uh, Amy Henning is going to be called 1313. That's, that is what I'm, I'm putting that on the table right now. Uh, if they don't call that game 1313, I think they're missing out. I think that they're they're really really um I think they're they're making a dumb move. Why oh. would you not do that? See, I I see that as setting themselves up for trouble though. I mean, they they call it 1313 and then if it doesn't include the segment you were talking about earlier or something very similar to it, there's a level of, well, this isn't exactly what we expected. I I mean, I would think that the game coming out and having Boba Fett as its star would have gotten flack because it wasn't what we saw in, right. at E3, and people wouldn't have understood the idea of placeholder characters. Right. Years after the fact, once this has almost become like a legend in fandom and in gaming, for it not to match up, I would think that that would be even more frustrating and, ca- and get even more flack. I mean, something in the vein of 1313, but I wouldn't think that they should call it 1313 and not to mention the fact that even though Lucasfilm or LucasArts one of them had the 1313 copyright slash trademark whatever um, they had the term I guess it was trademarked a while ago they did let that lapse whenever the project essentially went under so it seems like they've sort of moved away from the terminology but I don't know I, I could see I, mm-hmm. I, I would be happy to eat my words if that's the case but I don't see them calling it 1313. That's you know I, I could be wrong, but I what I expect is to get a Uncharted style game, and I think it's going to be called Thirteen Thirteen. And and here is what I think uh, they should do. This is I, I've really been uh, sort of uh, fan fic, you know doing some fan fiction today, but uh, whatever. It's my show. If uh, well, I guess it's also your show, so you can complain. But anybody listening, if, you know, whatever, make your own show. I don't care. Nah, I, uh, I don't want to get booted like Bruce did. What? <laughs> You mean frozen in carbonite? No. Frozen in carbonite, like boosted. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> no, but anyhow, look. Uh, the, the the point is, what I think would would really work great. Just just saying, hey, you know, if you want to do a thirteen thirteen story, and something that you could do right now uh, with the the current canon that we have, we actually got some chapters in aftermath that I think could inform. And what I think would would be really, really cool is do a 1313 story that takes place after Return of the Jedi. And it it all happens on Coruscant in 1313 and go that route. You can have two, uh, as I put in the... um, 
in the uh, the show notes to white schmoes, uh, you know, as your characters or whatever, and have them be denizens of Coruscant or even denizens of 1313, however you want to do that. But I think that that would be a very interesting story, um, given that we know with Aftermath that, hey, everything's kind of locked down. Um, we, we pretty much, when they thought, oh, hey, we're free, we're going to start tearing down uh, the statue of this emperor, Stormtrooper showed up and said, no, you're going to die. You know, I, I think that that could, uh, could make for a very compelling story, and you can still kind of just mold this game uh, a lot in the same way as far as the actual gameplay itself. That'd be cool. And now they can actually do that in a way where they're not having to worry about much in the way of existing storytelling around it because at this point if they were to make a canonical story in a game rather than just something for authenticity they have a much clearer playing area to do that rather than i mean again goes back to the whole idea that legends strength was how completely dense it was and how and the sheer amount of material and how many nooks and crannies of the saga were filled but its weakness was the exact same thing because it made it harder to fit in new stories with impact into certain eras um now, in a lot of ways, that era is relatively untouched, and they could play around with it. But then again, so to some extent is the era in between trilogies, too, where the game was originally meant to take place. Um, put it in there and tie it into Rebels, or tie it into uh, a lead-in character for Rogue One or something. Um, you know, maybe the, the early background of one of the characters from Rogue One or something. So there's a lot of opportunity for where they can put this and the story they're going to tell. I'm hoping we'll see more of it, uh, coming, more footage of it coming out of Celebration Europe or Celebration London or whatever they're calling it this time. Um, but I've got a feeling that because of how little we've seen a Visceral's game at this point, uh, we may not see much in detail with it until next E3 or perhaps the Celebration in Orlando next year. Possibly. You, um, you can certainly be correct on that. Um, you know, my thing at this point is I think this game has the ability to be sort of, um, I don't want to say I'm sorry, but, but to kind of finally fit, fulfill um, what some of the fans want. You know, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing and not that they're necessarily correct, but there's been since the, uh, the, the changeover and granted there was you know, there was a, a long period of silence before uh, Disney took over. Basically, we got that E3 game, and then it just went dark. Um, and, and there was nothing going on. It, it was actually even put on hold um, prior to, to the Disney acquisition, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, they may have just put it on hold quite after. Um, no, actually, yeah, I have here in the notes. It, it went on hold like right before uh, the Disney acquisition. So I kind of feel like, and and I don't know because I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. Basically, I just think that, um, you know, even though it wasn't, it went on hold beforehand. I think that probably George was uh, busy with with what was going on with the the Disney buyout and that uh, could have something to do with they basically seeing okay where's the company gonna go at this point um, so it's you know I, a lot of people are oh, dang it Disney take everything away that's great and I just don't that's not what I'm seeing here like that's not the case um, but however these these things did sort of happen, you know. I mean, a lot of people were upset because okay, Clone Wars uh, was canceled. Um, they're no longer making the the Legends books. Um, 
you know, the 1313 was canceled. So I think that as much as we can kind of, I say we, like I'm a part of Lucasfilm and I'm not, uh, I think as much as Lucasfilm can take the opportunity to meet those expectations and, and sort of give back, for instance, like how they brought back Ahsoka in, uh, in Rebels, I think they really should. So, so that's my, um, I guess that's my final statement on this is that I, I really do think that they should make a 13-13 game. Maybe not what we got, maybe not even a Boba Fett story, but I think something that would be kind of true to the idea that you would be in the CD underworld of Coruscant and, and that you're going to be playing this uh, Uncharted-style game. So it's the classic Star Wars theme, redemption. No pressure, Visceral. No pressure at all. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I've got nothing but faith. I mean, like like you said, you know, they've got a great team behind this. How can they screw it up? Oh, don't ask that because, oh, they, they could find a way. <laughs> right, right. So, I, uh, the Force Awakens comic adaptation... It was a solid film. It's just a comic adaptation. How could you do it wrong? And Wendig found a way. So <laughs> I'm, I, I, I never say what could possibly go wrong because usually something will. Well, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't defend him on that because I haven't actually read that yet. From what I've seen, it doesn't seem quite as bad as, as what a lot, a lot, I think a lot of people are choosing to kind of um, tear into that unnecessarily but I, I can't I can't say yet uh, by our next episode I'll, I'll have read it and then I'll give you uh, I'll give you a fair try uh, to read it as if you've never seen the movie and tell me if the beginning makes any damn sense if you haven't seen the movie all right saying but we digress so where do we go from here I mean the only place I know to go is out man. Ah, and I can go out and find a, some more smugglers to take the freaking tauntauns full of drugs, which apparently were supposed to be in 1313, because, uh, yeah, they're gone. Yeah, that's, in fact, if, if um, people aren't sure, that was the thing, is they were supposed to be smuggling animals, I guess, at some point, possibly, it, it become tauntauns that they were smuggling the drugs. There was, like, concept art of tauntauns strung up and cut open where they had taken out the drugs or the spice or whatever from inside, that's... Woo, that's some that's some red harvest stuff right there. <laughs> well, uh, anyhow, I appreciate everybody getting this far. This has been kind of a long episode, but hopefully it's been fun-filled for everyone. I know 1313's been a very popular game that a lot of people had their hopes up about. Um, even, you know, like, like you said earlier, I think it kind of almost become legend at this point, and everyone's going, it was going to be the greatest game ever, and it's like... Dude, like that was four years ago. Like you were twelve. You're sixteen now. What did you know when you were twelve? Nothing. Uh, so, but anyhow, let's we'll see. All right, uh, to be determined, I suppose. But uh, in the meantime, we we appreciate you listening. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, you can always send us an email over at cloudcitycasino at gmail dot com. Uh, you can hit us up. We're just pretty much Cloud City Casino on social. I've uh, got the Cloud City Casino. Facebook page and of course the the Twitter. Um, I am actually at Morris Isley. Uh, something I know that's video game related is I've been playing that uh, Pokemon Go lately, and by that I mean I've been watching uh, a screen that says the servers are down. Uh, so if anybody anybody also has been enjoying that or wants to talk about it or whatever, you can kind of hit me up over on my uh, my Twitter page. And of course we are uh, 
associated with and a part of the Star Wars Report network. Uh, you can just find that over at StarWarsReport.com. And uh, hit us up on iTunes. Uh, like and subscribe. No, not like. That's not the one you do. Review. That's the one. That's the one that we need. Uh, if you can hit us up with some reviews, we'd really appreciate that. Um, we know we've definitely been getting a lot of feedback from everyone. Uh, if you could just kind of put that over there. That seriously, I mean, it really does help uh, iTunes with their algorithm algorithms and everything. Uh, it certainly helps to get some exposure and we definitely want uh, more people and because you know let us know what you think of the show that's that's the only way that we can kind of mold it to be better is to to know what's going on with you guys and what you think uh i mean still give us five stars and be super positive but you can still tell us hey i like this give us a little more of this that's that's the fun stuff so um <laughs> i think that's about all that i've said on it nate uh where, where are some of those places that you can be found well as you said starsreport.com is where you find this podcast and you can find stars beyond the films that i'm on with mark herleman my Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere, is over at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash Timeline. And probably more apropos, we have uh, the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash User slash Chrono Radio, C-H-R-O-N-O Radio, all is one word. Uh, got that new vlog up on the intellectual honesty and whatnot. Got some live streaming going on of Battlefront and recently Let's Play live streams of LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens. And uh, recent reviews of things like uh, the Fantasy Flight Games materials. Just put up one for the new LCG playmat the other day. And actually, yesterday in the mail, I got a new Force Pack for the LCG that uh, tonight or tomorrow I'll be putting up another video to show what objective sets are in that. So lots of good Star Wars and Star Wars gaming stuff on the YouTube channel. Very cool, man. I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Thanks, everybody. And never forget... Let the Wookiee win. Just because Pablo Hidalgo tracked me down, kicked me in the nuts a couple of times and said, bitch, you're going to do what I say, doesn't mean I've been threatened. This party's over.